All right. Welcome again. Go ahead and grab your growth guides. If you are joining us online or listening later on, welcome. We are glad that you are here. You can download the growth guide at cornerstonenh.org slash growth guide. And we'd also love for you to check in. If you're here on site, you've got the check-in cards. Hold on to those because we are going to use those a little bit later in the message. And if you are listening later, we would love for you to check in using the app or our check-in card, or you can text the word here to 603-225-2550. So uh, we are in the series called Praxis Go. You know this because you've been listening along that Praxis has the idea of our course of action. These are the things that we do as followers of Jesus. They are not issues of salvation. They're not even issues of right and wrong. They are the kinds of things that we do to foster spiritual growth. If you were, uh, and, and we often use the idea of church as a spiritual greenhouse. If you had a actual greenhouse and you're trying to go plants, you would in, you would. Uh, design and modify the environment so that you would have the greatest growth and the greatest fruitfulness. And that's what we want to do here. And the praxis, the things that we do, those courses of action fit into that. Our model is based on Jesus' model of he would pray, he would teach, and he would heal. And we have, uh, we have modeled that through knowing God, that praying is the idea of com- communing with our Heavenly Father, Teaching was not just like classroom communicating information. He would apprentice people. So we talk about growing together. And then healing, he would, wherever he went, he would meet needs. So we do the same. We go and make a difference. So in this, uh, this is actually kind of a part two for last week. So if you haven't heard last week, go online, go to cornerstonenh.org slash on demand and you can download that or go to slash podcast and you can subscribe to our podcast. But last week we began this idea and we were talking about how when we go to make a difference, it's, we're basically talking about serving. And I used uh, this, the, this, this um, posture of having an open hand that that is kind of the whole, this whole series in a nutshell, is we have a posture of an open-handedness before God. That's the posture of surrender. It also allows him to put stuff in. He has given us stuff, resources, talents, abilities, but it also allows us to give it away as well. And that's the kind of thing that we've been talking about when we're talking about going and making a difference. There's a verse that I think I brought up last week, but I'm gonna come back to it because it kind of summarizes this idea of how we serve. It's Galatians chapter five, or I'm sorry, it's chapter six, verse 10. It says, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Galatia. Whenever we have the opportunity, everybody say, whenever. Oh, I love it when my church full of introverts like myself says something so loud and strong. I appreciate that. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good too. Everybody say it together. Everyone, whenever anyone, everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Now, there are two aspects in this verse that we have been looking at. One is what I emphasized when I had you call and respond, whenever and to everyone. But there's also that little phrase at the end, especially to those 
in the family of faith. So that's actually where I started, was talking about how we serve one another. This is a command. It's a necessity, we said. That's how I started out this whole series. Service is a necessity. Church doesn't work unless everybody pitches in. Church will be dysfunctional if all of us do not take our gifts that God has given us and deploy them in service to one another. Church just doesn't work if that's the case. So often, especially um, especially depending on what kind of tradition you grew up in, there's this idea that we as the church hire a minister to do the ministry of the church. We decide what needs to be get, get done, and then we hire somebody to do it. Wrong. <laughs> Unbiblical. Impractical. Inefficient. Wrong. Did I say wrong already? Wrong, wrong, wrong. That's getting, getting it wrong. How is it supposed to work? We are the ministers of the church. And I, that, that's me. I, I happen to get paid for it. And thank you very much. But, but we are the ministers of the church. Every single person who is a part of the body, that's the illustration that, that, that the apostle Paul uses in 1 Corinthians, uh, among other places, I think. We are the body, and unless every part of the body is doing its function, we are dysfunctional. So we serve because it's a necessity. That's, that's the way God is going to meet the needs within the body and also beyond. Because remember, it said whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. And that's where we started out talking about that last week. That, for example, when Abraham was called, God told him, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to benefit you. I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a special, I'm going to give you special attention and special provision. But why? Just because I like you? No, so that you can turn around and be a blessing to others. The, the, the first 11 chapters of Genesis is everything starts out well, and then it's just kind of circling the drain from there on out. And then God finally puts a stopper in there and says, I'm going to try something different. I'm gonna do, we're going to do something different from now on. I'm going to, rather, rather than letting things just continue to circle, I'm going to call out a special people. And I'm going to bless them and I'm going to give them my instruction or my law or my Torah. And, and, and they're, going to, they're, they're going to know me and they're going to be my special people. And then because of that, they'll be able to bless everybody in the world. And so that pattern has continued to today. And this is the main thing that I want you to carry away from last week and this week, that we are blessed to be a blessing that it's not a consumption assumption that everything I get is for my use and consumption, but rather a blessed assumption that everything that God has placed in my hands is for my benefit and for the benefit of others, that we do that in service. So I want you to remember, uh, in fact, I'm gonna do it again. I won't do this through the whole service, I know. But let's just say it together. We are blessed to be a blessing. One, two, three. We are blessed to be a blessing. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. You'll get the right perspective. Okay, so we, uh, we're going through the list of reasons why this doesn't happen. The misconceptions, we don't understand the purpose of blessing. We don't think we're blessed. But then the last one that I got to was that we can be overwhelmed by the needs. We can be overwhelmed by the needs. 
uh, maybe you can relate to this. As I walk through my house, almost everywhere I go, I see things that need to be done. Can anybody relate to that? I mean, just uh, all the hands. Yes, hallelujah. I see that hand. Uh, Every time I go through my house, it's just like, okay, that needs to be done, or that needs to be put away, or that project needs to be done. I started that three years ago. I often tell, Sue Ellen is great uh, um, because she's very patient with me, but I heard this, and I was like, oh, I, I resemble that remark. Uh, somebody, uh, uh, somebody said, you know, when my wife tells me to do something, uh, I will not forget. I don't need to be, uh, I, I, I don't need to be nagged. Uh, you don't have to remind me every six months. You know, that's that's that's. You know, it's like you know she doesn't. She's very patient with me, but I'm like all these things need to be done. Okay, so that's just that's just my house. You can think of your car. You can think of your house. You can think of your work. There's everywhere you go. There's more than you can possibly do. Now, think about that in the context of our world, where we have instant access to all the news of everything bad happening all over the world right in the palm of our hands. Have you ever picked up the news or turned on the TV or listened to the radio and just been completely overwhelmed? It's just more than you can take. And honestly, I don't think we were designed to handle that. We weren't designed to handle, to know everything going wrong in the entire world. And so we can be overwhelmed and just, you you don't even know where to begin. And and you can be so worn out emotionally by what's going on on the other side of the world. Not only can you not do anything about it, but then you're drained and you can't even do anything about what's going on in your own life and your own world and your own family. I don't think, do you? that that's how God designed us to work and how, but, but, and how the world was supposed to work. But, but I do know that whatever you believe about Jesus, it seems pretty clear to me that he came into the world with the idea, I'm going to begin to set things right. God's plan for setting things right was Jesus And he did so, and Jesus' plan for continuing that work was you. It was his church, his body, that once he ascended into heaven and the spirit descended, we are God's plan for setting things right in the world. So how does that work? Uh, here's Here's how I put it. How can I go from the frustration of observing unmet needs to the satisfaction of seeing needs met. Isn't that nice? Like when I do finish a project and I walk into that room, I'm like, ah, I like this room now. I want to stay here. I don't want to go in that room anymore. Let's just stay right here in this room. What would it be like if we had more the satisfaction of seeing needs met than the frustration of observing unmet needs. That's what I think this message is about. It's called overwhelming, and it has a double meaning. But basically, we're talking about needs. We're talking about meeting needs. And I'm going to reuse the bottom line from last week because I want that to stick with you, that we are blessed to be a blessing. And we're going to handle that last that last 
um, objection, that last hurdle from us doing as much good as we possibly could. And that's our feeling overwhelmed and letting that kind of uh, put us into this paralysis where nothing gets done and we don't act. We're just worn out emotionally, but nothing changes. So in this passage that we're going to look at, go through this really quickly, we'll come back around to it. You'll see this pattern that I think will be helpful, not only in your personal life, but also for us as a church and for determining how we proceed as a church. Number one, we'll see that observation can lead to compassion, but then result in action. In order for that to happen, we're going to have to shift our focus from our limited abilities to God's unlimited resources. And then we're going to just put into practice what we do with those hands. We're going to start giving away what God has put in. And my practical step won't make any sense to you right now, but it will later. Add some orange and purple to your profile. Just hold on to that for a second. So let's look together at Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. This is a very familiar passage. It's the feeding of the 5,000. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. This is what it says. As soon as Jesus heard the news, now I should stop right there for just a second. What has happened just immediately before that? Remember, in your interpreting the Bible, when you're reading the Bible for understanding, context is king. So what's right before, what's right after. So Jesus has just heard that his cousin, John, John the Baptist, has been beheaded, that he's been killed. Uh, so he's just heard some really bad news, personally uh, impacting news. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was, headed, heard where he was headed, and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, this isn't, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know that you care about the needs that we personally have and that our world has. That's why you sent Jesus. And that's why you met both their physical needs and their ultimate spiritual needs. And that's why you sent your spirit to empower and guide and direct and teach and lead us. Lord, I pray that as we look at this today, that you would speak to everyone here. Help them to hear exactly what they need to hear from this message and know exactly what they need to do with what they have heard. And may we be a people with eyes open to the needs of the world, filled with compassion. Let, it respond, let us respond in action 
And may the result be, not only will those needs be met and we feel uh, fulfilled from being able to have a part in that, but that you will receive all the credit and all the glory. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's look at it together. What's the bottom line? We are blessed to be a blessing. First thing I want you to notice in this passage towards the beginning is that Jesus is letting observation lead to compassion but then it results in action. Uh, remember, know, grow, and go. And I said, I got that from Jesus' pattern. You see this all over the scriptures where he goes, gets on his own to pray. He teaches people and he heals people. Did you notice that this is exactly the kind of thing that's happening at the beginning of this passage? He hears the bad news about losing his cousin. And so as soon as he heard it, he left in the boat to a remote area to be alone. I can't imagine that Jesus isn't going off just to pray and just to, to get centered and to kind of reconnect because this is, this is a blow. I mean, his cousin has been murdered. And so we see that. And then, but what's next? What's next? He, he saw the huge crowd. And this is actually from a parallel passage in Mark. He steps off the boat. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He has compassion on them, but it doesn't stop there. In this passage in Mark, it says, so. What's that? It's showing results. So because he had compassion on them, he began teaching them many things. So we see him praying. We see him teaching. And then back to the passage in Matthew, what's it say? He saw the crowd. He stepped from the boat. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. So you can see that know, grow, and go pattern in Jesus' life, even in this moment. The important thing to note here is that compassion led to action. Part of, part of, part of the downside, the, the detriment of this flood of needs that is constantly assaulting us is that we can feel so worn out emotionally that, that we don't have anything left to give away. It's, and, and we can't confuse feeling, it's good to have compassion, with action, actually doing something about it. You can come to church, for example, and the music can move you and the message can be out of this world and you just feel like you encountered God that day. But if you don't do anything with it, if your life isn't different, if the choices that you make on Monday through Saturday aren't any different than if you hadn't shown up on Sunday, what good is it done? It can fool you. You think, I felt something, so I did something. No. No, feeling something is not the same thing as doing something. So, so we need to do something. We need to do something. But how do, we, how, do, how do we choose and how do we not become overwhelmed? We understand we're blessed to be a blessing. We're going to let our observation, seeing a need, move us to compassion, but also not stop there, but keep on going to action. How are we going to do this? One of the things is we, we just don't. We, we just don't feel like we have what it takes. We don't have, the, the, re, the needs are too great. They're overwhelming. So what do we see in this passage? We see a shift of focus. The disciples' focus was on their ability. But Jesus shifted their focus to God's resources. 
Let's look how it unfolds in the story. That evening, the disciples came to him. The people had been, thousands of people had streamed to Jesus so that he could meet their needs. It's a remote place. What are they saying? There's nothing around here. There, there aren't resources in this place. And it's already getting late. We don't have time. Not only do we ha- don't have stuff, we don't have time. Have you, can you relate to that? I don't have the stuff I need, and I don't have the time I need. Right? That's, that's how we feel. That's what the disciples are saying to Jesus. Our resources are completely insufficient for the need that we are observing. So... They've got a solution. Let them take care of themselves. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Their problem. Let them take care of it. But we got to tell them, it's your responsibility. Go and take care of yourself. Figure it out. So Jesus, it's so funny. You put yourself in a position. And he says, oh, that isn't necessary. <laughs> you know, but they, uh, uh, yeah, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, there's no food around here. And yeah, uh, you know, there's not time to go anywhere, even if you could find food. But, but it's not necessary to send them away. You take care of it. You, you, you feed them. Uh, and they're like, okay. Um, all right, maybe Jesus doesn't understand the situation. So let's, uh, let, let, let's, let's tell him, you know, maybe he thinks that we brought a stash with us. So they, have, they, they tell him what we have. We have only, see that? We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. So what they're saying is, okay, you feed. This is all we have. It's insufficient. It's not enough. You know, our hands are open, but there's just a little bit in there. There's not enough. We can't, if we give that out, it's not going to go very far. But is this true? In a sense, yeah, that's, that's the only step they had. But what resource was there and available to them that they're not including in this? They say, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. But that's not all they had, is it? What else did they have? They had Jesus. They had Jesus. They had Jesus and Jesus plus your little bit of nothing is everything. And we forget that, don't we? We forget that. We think, I've only, we only have we have only, and we look at what we can do and what we have, and it's just not enough, and we forget that we have with us. That Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is among us. Jesus is with us. Jesus has promised to be with us, and if he calls us to do something, he gives us a mission, he's going to provide the resources. We forget. We have only, but 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 they had so much more. They had so much more, and they didn't even realize it. And this is an important thing to notice also, that that so often when Jesus would meet needs like this, he would meet the immediate need. He would meet the felt need. What do you want me to do for for you? Jesus would sometimes ask people. Uh, They would bring him, those people with uh, illnesses and sicknesses and diseases are streaming towards him to be healed, and he takes care of that need, but he also kind of segues that, you know, yeah, you, you're, you're blind. 
and I'm going to help you to see. You're, you're going to see. But, but there's a spiritual blindness that needs to be healed as well. The, uh, you're hungry? Yeah, I'm going to feed you. But there's a hunger within you that my, this bread isn't going to feed. You, you, need, you need something more. He was always pointing them to himself. And in fact, we see this a little bit later. Uh, we, I didn't read this, but... Jesus later would say to the people, I am the bread of life. Now, what's the context there? They, they get fed. They, their bellies are full. They got a free meal. And so Jesus takes off and they're like, we're following him. So they begin to, tra- to travel after him and follow after him. And Jesus turns around and says, look, I understand what's going on here. This is the Brian paraphrase. You're following me, not because you want to follow Jesus, because you have the spiritual experience. You're following me because you were hungry and you got fed and you didn't have to work for it or pay for it. And so you want some more of that. But don't work for that food that is going to disappoint, that's going to need to be replaced. I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. So that's why in every message I try to do the same thing. I'm going to give you practical things for your life, but I'm also going to point you to Jesus. And that's why we talk about saying yes as that first and most important next step. Saying yes to Jesus as Savior, forgiver, that what he did on the cross is going to count for you, and leader or Lord, that you're going to actually do what he says and you're going to let him call the shots in your life. And so in the same way, when we as a church, there's a little bit of application here, are figuring out how to help people, we also we want to meet immediate needs, we want to need, meet felt needs, we want to meet, meet physical needs, but we also want to never lose sight of the fact that there's an ultimate spiritual need that we need to meet as well. So we want to do both and, not either or. So we are blessed to be a blessing. Observation leads to compassion, but it needs to result in action. We need to shift our focus from our limited abilities to God's unlimited resources. But then the next step, the last step, is to actually start giving away what God has put in. See this in this one phrase from this verse. Jesus gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They opened their hands. God placed something in their hands. They began to hand it out, to give it away to the people within arm's reach. That's what he is calling us to do as well. So let me wrap this up with some practical ways to apply it. And something that you can take with you, a next step, a practical next step, so that we're not just sitting around feeling overwhelmed, but we're actually doing something that will alleviate the frustration and result in the satisfaction of seeing those needs met. I'm going to give you three steps. First, on our website, if you go to cornerstonenh.org serve, you will see a listing of different ministry teams and groups. These are some of the ways, not all of them, but some of the ways that you can actually get involved. The step is to not just think about it, not just feel it, but to actually do something. And you'll notice that in this list, there are 
some that have orange colored backgrounds and some that have purple colored backgrounds. And this goes back to the beginning of the message. We're to serve one another. Mostly that's the orange teams, but we're also blessed to be a blessing to everyone. That is, those are the purple teams. So my hope is, excuse me, everyone, that everyone in our church will be a part of at least one orange and one purple team so that there's at least some place where at least once a month you are serving within the congregation and that you each have at least one thing that you are involved in that is blessing the world as a whole. So you can see some of the examples, uh, clean water. You might remember back to Mother's Day, we were talking about sponsoring uh, um, um, a water project in Africa. Uh, you see youth camp. We've done work camp in, e in the past. Uh, one of these is marked Portugal, and that is John and Mason and their ministry to unreached people in Portugal. Now, if each of us has some play way that we are blessing others outside, then we can do that. What happens is, again, going back to that unhealthy model, is that uh, the pastor gets calls or emails or mailers and says, you really ought to do this. Or people in the church sometimes might say, we ought to do this. Here, pastor, you take care of it. Uh, early on, even in a smallish church like ours, I realized that that was just not going to work. Because I could make a full-time job of listening to people who want to, us to give them money and to do stuff for them, right? But, so I was thinking, how can, well, I don't want to give up on that either. So here's how I handled it, and we've been handling it for a long time, is in order for us to make an impact without being overwhelmed, we can do stuff for and with other organizations, as long as there's a point person, a liaison, somebody who takes responsibility for that ministry within our congregation. So I'm, I'm trying to model this for me. John and Mason are my thing. You know, I'm gonna, you're going to hear about John and Mason and their ministry to Portugal because that's my purple group. That's, that's my thing that I focus on. Now, we used to do the CareNet baby bottle campaign. You would hear about CareNet a lot. We haven't for a couple of years. You know why? It's not because we don't care about CareNet anymore. It's not because the need has all of a sudden gone away. It's because we don't have anybody in our congregation that says, I'll make that my thing. I'll, I'll, I'll follow up with that. I'll make that my thing. So if there's something that we're not doing as a church, something that you feel passionate about, you think everybody should be involved in, then maybe that's your thing and you take responsibility for that. And you don't have to do everything, but you're responsible for letting us know what we can do to make a difference. Likewise, there might be some aspect of our ministry which is like, why don't we have a mm ministry? Well, because there's nobody in charge of mm ministry, right? If you want to take on mm ministry, then we'll, you can be the director of mm at our church, right? That, that'll work, but it is not going to work if it's just me. I'm sorry, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be frustrated. We're not going to accomplish what we could do because that's not how God designed it. He designed it so that the body does the work of the ministry. So here's what I want you to do. 
Go on cornerstonenh.org slash serve. Find these groups. When you click on them, there's a little button that says join. Join is not forever and ever amen. It doesn't automatically give you responsibilities. That's your way of saying, hey, I'm interested in that. Let me know more. And then each of you, when you go to your profile, it'll show at the top the groups that you're a part of. And then at the bottom, you can click for more groups. And each of you is going to have at least one purple and we, well, at least one orange group. And we're going to make a difference and an impact. You're going to feel satisfaction of being involved in meeting needs without the frustration and guilt of being overwhelmed. Because that will give you an opportunity to thirdly start giving away what the Lord has put in your hands. What's going to be the result of that? Needs are going to be met. People are going to be served and needs are going to be met that wouldn't otherwise be met because you took those steps, because we as a body took this seriously. You are going to feel fulfilled. There is nothing like the sense that, um, uh, you know, we looked at this passage from Second Peter, how, uh, how when we serve, we serve with the power and the, and, the, and the wisdom and whatever else it says there that God provides. When you realize that it's not just you doing a job, it's not just you volunteering at your church, but that God is actually at work in you serving through you, meeting the needs of people around you. Wow, that is an amazing, amazing feeling. And that's the feeling, that's the experience that you will have if you do this. And lastly, and perhaps most importantly, God will get the credit. God will be glorified by what happens. So that's what I mean by adding some orange and purple to your profile. Go to that list, join a group or two, and see how God might use it to meet the needs, to make things right in our world that are not yet right. So I told you to hold on to your, uh, your uh, check-in card or to hold up. That's so that you can circle serve as your next step. That lets me know, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to serve. I'm already serving in some way. I'm going to continue to serve. You can say that. That's what that means. I, I haven't served yet. I've been around church for a little while, but, but I need to serve. Some of you, it's like, you know, I used to serve all the time. I was crazy serving around here. And then the pandemic happened, and I just haven't yet kind of got back into that, op- that routine, that opportunity. And this is your opportunity because that's how Jesus is going to meet the needs around you is through you because you were blessed to be a blessing. You were not supposed to just stop at observation and not even stop at feeling compassion. We were supposed to let that move us towards action. And what we have in our hands doesn't really matter. It's what God will place in our hands. It's his ability to meet those needs with his resources that truly matters. And he's just waiting for a people who will take that position of surrender, allow him to put things on their heart, in their heart, and in their hands so that they can give it away. Let's be that people. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are so good and that you want to meet needs, that you are uh, so gracious that you share that job with us so that we can play a part in it. And Lord, I pray that you would move us so that we, even this relatively small congregation, 
that, that each one of us will have some place where we are actively, serve, not just available, not just do here and there, but we've got responsibility that you have given us, that we have accepted, and may we make a difference, go and make a difference in our world. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. 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 Have a great week.